The holidays always find a way. Hola, Amara La Negra here from Exactly Amara Podcast. Holidays y tradiciones go hand in hand. Whether you're making mom's famous recipes or getting your kids all dolled up to spend time with their loved ones, it's really about enjoying the real magic of the season by surrounding yourself with buenos amigos y familia, delicious food, mucho amor y cariño, and of course, ice cold coke. Because Coca-Cola pairs perfectly with every holiday get-together, Coca-Cola and the My Cultura Podcast Network is another great pairing. With their generous support, we can continue to bring you our stories, our way, and told by us. There's no better time to celebrate our stories than now and to celebrate our storytellers all year long. Coca-Cola, proud partner of the My Cultura Podcast Network. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows available on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, 17 miles away from Madison Square Garden. And Paul Pelosi was attacked with a hammer by a 42-year-old man. Then, Elon Musk, he owns Twitter. We'll get to that later. But some of the big headlines today, man, they take my breath away, right? We have another shooting that occurred. Like all shootings, especially at high schools, they're sad. I mean, it's just horrible to see the depravity of of where we've come in society. Some other headlines. Biden saying he could drop dead tomorrow because he's going to be turning 80 later this year. And this school shooting, which is the one that really doesn't uh, get out of my head for me. And just a few days ago, maybe on Friday, we talked about how some daycare workers are being charged with felony child abuse because they were scaring kids with Halloween masks. But yet there's no child abuse charges or felony charges for parents who actually allow their kids to have these radical double mastectomies or sex change operations or puberty blocking drugs when they're five or six or seven or eight or nine years old. And these things obviously come to a shock as a shock to me, a, as a parent, but B, because I guess, cause I'm a Gen Xer, right? I'm, I'm in my forties and my coming of age was in the 1990s. That's when I was a teenager. And back then you did everything with minimal parental consent and everything seemed to work out and nobody got depressed. Nobody changed their gender. Nobody went, you know, and had surgery. It was just, um, you know, regular stuff. But now it seems that so many kids and even adults, they're always depressed. Everything triggers depression for just about everything for whatever reason. So I think what's causing this? Did parents just all of a sudden forget how to raise their kids? Nope. I think it's the increasingly secular progressive movement that's really gained influence in American society. And at the same time, you've got a lot of people from from the church, from faith-based organizations that have just been less involved. And I think when you have this both and type of scenario, that's what happens. But it doesn't help that you know some parents have in fact abdicated their responsibility to protect their kids and for others you know they're, they're trying to tighten the reins but it's difficult because you got magazines like teen vogue and others that offer fashion advice trying to define what a fetus is or trying to redefine what gender and sexuality are to a younger and younger audience as each day goes by so you know it makes you think how did america a, a country that was born in the, the time of the Enlightenment that focused on God-given rights, how did we get here? You know, rights that are given by God, our creator, not by the government. These aren't principles that are based on one's opinion or something you interpret from the Bible. These are, it's in the Constitution. So how do we get there if, if it's so foundational to the enterprise and the experiment known as the United States? Well, I don't know. I I think there's a lot of uh, speculation that we could all have, but I don't have the exact answer. I do know that after 246 years, we do know that the exceptional experiment known as America only works if virtue is woven into the fabric of everything we do collectively and individually. 
Otherwise, you've got people that get angry and they go shoot people in high schools. Otherwise, you've got people that go and they do mass murders. All sorts of different and, and horrific things. And again, we can't eliminate the bad in the world by being a God-fearing society. But I think you, you can minimize and influence the, out, uh, the outward behavior of people if they're so inclined to love their fellow man as opposed to adhere to this philosophy of it feels good, do it, and it's all about me and screw the other guy. Just my speculation. Now, of course, we can't force any type of compliance to any virtue that we may espouse. That would be like a utopian fantasy, kind of like what the left you know, thinks about Marxism and whatnot. But we can take heed to the warnings that the framers of this great nation gave us, like when they said this stuff only works if virtue is a part of it. And one way, in my opinion, that was ensured that we would stay virtuous as a nation was a reliance on God for our providence, for our protection, for our peace. Lamentably, that idea kind of counters the America that we're in today, the America that relies on godlessness as a form of liberty instead of being God-fearing as a form of liberty and embraces immorality in many ways as the virtue of their movement, whatever movement it is. So it's true that the unmooring of our society starts with attacking that which makes us strong and cohesive, you know, the family, the church, the rights of the individual to worship, free speech, liberty, life, the pursuit of happiness. And these are, you know, just some of the ideas that we know from what Madison wrote and from what we've learned through the Enlightenment, through our history, through, you know, up to and including today. But here we are struggling to maintain that beautiful simplicity of keeping God first and doing what's right. And we've got all sorts of things going wrong. Inflation's out of control. Everybody in Washington seems to understand that the basic cause of inflation is their spending, but yet they deny it, they cover it up, and they're the ones that have caused it by printing more and more money, devaluing our currency, and making everything cost more. I mean, what are you going to do? We've got crime, sex trafficking, and incest that are on the rise. So you tell me, does America have a problem with too much reliance on God or not enough? Anyway, we will continue straight ahead. And we've got a lot more to discuss straight ahead. I'm Rich Valdez. We're just getting started. This is America. The holidays always find a way. Hola, Amara La Negra here from Exactly Amara Podcast. Holidays y tradiciones go hand in hand. Whether you're making mom's famous recipes or getting your kids all dolled up to spend time with their loved ones, it's really about enjoying the real magic of the season by surrounding yourself with buenos amigos y familia, delicious food, mucho amor y cariño, and of course, ice cold Coke. Because Coca-Cola pairs perfectly with every holiday get-together, Coca-Cola and the My Cultura Podcast Network is another great pairing. With their generous support, we can continue to bring you our stories, our way, and told by us. There's no better time to celebrate our stories than now and to celebrate our storytellers all year long. Coca-Cola, proud partner of the My Cultura Podcast Network. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows available on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Ya vienen las fiestas. Hola, Amara La Negra here from Exactly Amara Podcast. The holidays always find a way. From Abuela's traditional arroz con gandule recipe to living room dance parties. Enjoy the real magic of the season by surrounding yourself with buenos amigos y familia, delicious food, and of course, ice cold Coke. Because Coca-Cola pairs perfectly with every holiday get-together. Coca-Cola, proud partner of the My Cultura Podcast Network. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. When it comes to life's adventures, Hyundai is thinking of every mile. It's your journey. Our podcast in our own world takes listeners through our entire journey. The good, the bad, and the oftentimes hilarious moments that make up our lives. Whether we're pulling prank calls on our friends or having an honest discussion about representation, it's all a part of our story. And Hyundai knows your journey is at the heart of your story. That's why they're by your side to cover all of the many miles and milestones together. And thanks to Hyundai, My Cultura listeners can experience the incredible journey of our Latino content creators. 
who are using their voices to share their stories because we all have a story. Join us as we voyage through life and celebrate its beauty, its diversity, and the voices of our culture. Together, we're discovering our road. Hyundai, proud partner of the My Cultura Podcast Network. It's your journey. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. Oh, he's so handsome. What's his name? Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. So we uh, got a few different things going on. I want to talk about this headline again. This is in the Badger Herald. Record levels of incest after House of Dragon episode seven airs. Now, the House of Dragon is a TV show. And here's what it says. Incest levels have spiked dramatically in one month since the HBO series House of Dragons aired, prompting the federal government to declare the writer of the show, George R.R. Martin, an enemy of the state. Here's a quote. Oh, God, it's everywhere. Federal Judge Courtney Myers said of House of Dragons has made Uncle Diddler out there think that he's uh, Matt M.F. Smith. One man actually said he was inspired by the chemistry between Damon and Rihanna. Now, this is the uh, interplay with the characters on the show. But ultimately, these people are inbreeding because they can ride dragons. And data showing that this is actually increasing and that it's increased since it's been promoted on this one particular program. But that wasn't the real genesis of why I wanted to talk about this particular topic, because there's several things. Uh, about a month ago, I saw this article that was older. It was in 2018 in a publication called Pink News. It's out of the U.K., and the headline was, why can't gay or lesbian twins have sex with or marry each other? Why is incest wrong between same-sex siblings? And I thought to myself, wow, that's a very provocative headline, but a really, you know, third rail kind of topic. But it was interesting to me. I thought, my gosh, I can't, how, how do you defend something like this? And I kept looking around. And I found last week, I found a different article in People magazine, and it talked about um, the story of a survivor of a sibling sexual assault. And she went on to found incest or co-found incest aware and, and has her own organization, complicatedcourage.com. Her name is Jane Epstein and she's our guest tonight. Jane Epstein, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Thank you for joining us. I realize that this is not always an easy uh, story to tell, but one that I believe that we both agree that is necessary for people to know because something that you've mentioned, and we don't have to jump right to that part, but I just want to put it out there for everyone to hear, is that you've called this an epidemic, a silent epidemic. And that's something I got to say, I never would have thought that incest was an epidemic. I would think it's few and far between. And and when you said that, it really uh, piqued my interest. And I said, man, we've got to talk about this. So Jane Epstein, I guess maybe let's start from the beginning. Tell us about yourself and your story and how we got here. Sure. One thing I'm going to clarify, if you don't mind. First of all, thank sure. you for having me on your platform. And my last name is Epstein, just not to be confused with the infamous Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> it gets yes. a little confusing because then people Absolutely. say, are you related to him? I am not related to Jeffrey Epstein. I'm married to an Epstein. Um, the way I kind of came into this, that, yes, thank you. Um, yes, sibling sexual abuse and trauma is a silent epidemic and it has been stated so by the professionals. It's so silent, I believe, because it's buried under so much shame, confusion, and then parents discover it and they don't know what to do. They can't find anything about it. And then survivors are left on their own. It's, not talked about. And that's why I believe we have to talk about it so that we can raise awareness, normalize the conversation around it, educate parents and educate our children. We all deserve that. Now, it's interesting that you noted this. Uh, I guess let's maybe bring all the listeners up to speed on what's going on. And folks, again, we're on with Jane Epstein from complicatedcourage.com. She is the a survivor of uh, sibling sexual assault of incest and is now an educator and an activist on that uh, topic. But I guess explain a little bit of how, how you got here, your personal story, and why you have an interest in sharing your story with others. Sure. I did not plan on being here. <laughs> this was not supposed Understood. to be my platform. I spent years confused, and I, I, I would just say that my life started out of order. I would say it's kind of like a Rubik's Cube. 
I was very promiscuous. I always needed male attention. I was angry, but I didn't understand why. Now, I can look back and I can reflect on that now and understand that there was a lot of shame and I wasn't truly known for who I was and I didn't know who I was. I was wearing a mask. It wasn't until I was in my 40s that I finally decided there's a reason I'm depressed because I I found myself wanting to die. Now, I wasn't talking about dying by suicide, but I wanted to die. Right. I just had this sense of dread every morning and I sensed that my life was going to end short. And I think that that was just the dread and the depression. And I had been in marriage counseling for five years, trying to fix my husband. It wasn't working. (laughs) We were still struggling. And the therapist finally turned to me and he said, Jane, I I have to tell you, your anger and your depression, they don't match the circumstances. And it was at that point that I had to dig down deep. And I thought, okay, I've put everything else out there. Maybe it's this one thing inside of me that needs to be looked at. And that's when I told the therapist that I had been sexually abused by my brother, thinking it's not that big of a deal, is it? And turns out it, it was a bigger deal than I had anticipated. How old were you? That it, when I finally discovered my truth, I was about 45 years old. Well, I mean, when how old were you when the abuse happened? Sure. I was about six years old, and my sibling was 12 years old when it started. And it went on and off for about six years. And to continue the, the, the answer to your question, how I ended up mm-hmm. here, when I discovered that, okay, this was a bigger deal than I had realized, I went to Google, because that's what we do. Yeah, right, for everything. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, Google it. I couldn't find much. And I thought, well, this is, this is odd. I, I could only find a few outdated articles that stated that it was very prevalent and that there, it was like the last taboo and nobody's talking about it. And I thought, well, I can't be the only person. And so I started kind of putting something out there, I built my Facebook page, Complicated Courage, and I started kind of putting little, little like dipping my toe in into the topic. And that's when I started receiving messages from other survivors. And they were saying, nobody's ever talked about this. This happened to me, but I'm not ready to talk about it. And then I started hearing from parents and parents were saying, we had no idea this was a thing or I'd hear from step parents. And I started realizing this is a real problem and parents really don't know what's happening in their own home. And this all kind of happened in a phase of about two years. And I came across an an article written by Brad Watts, who's the author of Sibling Sexual Abuse. And he validated me about how prevalent this is. And it was at that point that I was starting to hear from survivors and parents and even those who had caused harm. And I realized, okay, I'm kind of a face and a voice for this type of abuse and trauma. And here I am after a TEDx and a People article and founding, co-founding two organizations and slowly busting that door open. Well, I want to thank you for being with us because, again, I, I, I realized this was a thing. I'd read other articles about, you know, similar and debates over whether it should be wrong or if it should be right or whatever. But I always always looked at this, and I think probably a lot of our listeners did, as that this was something that was in the minority. And while it may technically be in the minority, something I'm reading here on complicatedcourage.com is that it's estimated that sibling sexual abuse and child child sexual abuse accounts for 40% of all child sexual abuse. Now, that's definitely in the the minority, but it's a a big number. 40% is a a huge number. number. And, and this was something I never would have anticipated this. I'm the, I'm the dad of two little girls. They're bigger now, you know, not that much bigger, but they're 17 and 21. And I, I was always hypervigilant. My, my ex-wife had, had her own concerns over that because of issues that she had growing up. And she was just always hypervigilant. So I was hypervigilant because she kind of made me be that way. And, and the one thing I, I never thought about was, was that that was a thing. With any kids, you know, right. I just, I didn't realize it. I'm sure it happened. And I think in our minds, uh, and forgive me if I'm being crass, but I think we think that happens in, you know, in mountain communities or in other countries or, you know, where they're, where they're just, you know, less than civilized, but it just doesn't happen uh, in your run of the mill household. And I think that's a falsehood. And, and it's one that many people don't know. So, I mean, I'm grateful that you're bringing this to, to the forefront of the conversation and the public discourse, because I think people just honestly don't know what's going on. What type of uh, reaction do you get when, when you're broaching this topic with people? Well, I, I do get that kind of reaction or, or get a parent's reaction saying, 
well, we only have one child, so we don't have to worry about it. But when I talk about sibling sexual abuse and trauma, I'm talking about siblings, step-siblings, cousins, older adolescents, and foster children. So we all need to be aware of it. We all need to be talking to our teenagers because it could be your child's best friend's older brother or sister. And people do recoil when I, when I come into the room. They do. But I would like to share with you that the other organization that I'm working with, we've started. It's called fivewaves.org. It's actually founded by two parents who discovered sibling sexual abuse and trauma in their home, wow. a step-parent who discovered it, and two survivors. And there is another story on the People magazine about what a parent goes through when they discover this and how do you choose between your two children. So that's why I'm bringing so much awareness. It's, I think parents deserve to know, yeah. and I think our children, our teenagers, they deserve to know because I have people who have caused harm reach out to me as an adult looking back and seeing what they did when they were younger and, and they wanting feel to horrible. fix it. Wanting to fix it or feeling, am I a monster? Am I, am I a pedophile? Uh, do you think this other person remembers that I destroy their lives? I've had people who have caused harm who are near, are, are really close to dying by suicide. Wow. So it's a whole family trauma. It really well, is. Let's unravel that on the other side of this break because I think that's a fascinating place to pick up. Folks, we're on with Jane Epstein. Her website, complicatedcourage.com. Check it out. Support her if you can. She's fantastic. She's done a lot of great stuff in the media, and I think she's really enlightening us here. So there's more to come straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. The holidays always find a way. Hola, Amara La Negra here from Exactly Amara Podcast. Holidays y tradiciones go hand in hand. Whether you're making mom's famous recipes or getting your kids all dolled up to spend time with their loved ones, it's really about enjoying the real magic of the season by surrounding yourself with buenos amigos y familia, delicious food, mucho amor y cariño, and of course, ice cold coke. Because Coca-Cola pairs perfectly with every holiday get-together, Coca-Cola and the My Cultura Podcast Network is another great pairing. With their generous support, we can continue to bring you our stories, our way, and told by us. There's no better time to celebrate our stories than now and to celebrate our storytellers all year long. Coca-Cola, proud partner of the My Cultura Podcast Network. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. When it comes to life's adventures, Hyundai is thinking of every mile. It's your journey. Our podcast in our own world takes listeners through our entire journey. The good, the bad, and the oftentimes hilarious moments that make up our lives. Whether we're pulling prank calls on our friends or having an honest discussion about representation, it's all a part of our story. And Hyundai knows your journey is at the heart of your story. That's why they're by your side to cover all of the many miles and milestones together. And thanks to Hyundai, My Cultura listeners can experience the incredible journey of our Latino content creators. We're using their voices to share their stories because we all have a story. Join us as we voyage through life and celebrate its beauty, its diversity, and the voices of our culture. Together, we're discovering our road. Hyundai, proud partner of the My Cultura Podcast Network. It's your journey. The holidays always find a way. Hola, Amara La Negra here from Exactly Amara Podcast. Holidays y tradiciones go hand in hand. Whether you're making mom's famous recipes or getting your kids all dolled up to spend time with their loved ones, it's really about enjoying the real magic of the season by surrounding yourself with buenos amigos y familia, delicious food, mucho amor y cariño, and of course, ice cold coke. Because Coca-Cola pairs perfectly with every holiday get-together, Coca-Cola and the My Cultura Podcast Network is another great pairing. With their generous support, we can continue to bring you our stories, our way, and told by us. There's no better time to celebrate our stories than now and to celebrate our storytellers all year long. Coca-Cola, proud partner of the My Cultura Podcast Network. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is America. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez and a little bit of breaking news and a point of personal privilege. 
Uh, my oldest daughter just got a belt promotion. She's on the Taekwondo team at Liberty University. And I just wanted to share that because I just got a text with the certificate. So kudos to you, Jada. Daddy loves you. And uh, our guest. Our guest is Jane Epstein. And she is an advocate and the face of her organization, Complicated Courage. And I think that's a fantastic name because I think that's what this really is. For those of us like me that don't know anything about this and are just learning about sibling sexual abuse, which I think most of us have just called incest and kind of chalked up to it being something of third world countries or, you know, back road mountain communities when people are making off color remarks uh, is an, a real thing that actually affects people. And I didn't know it's as epidemic as it is. So Jane Epstein, before we took the break, was telling us, Epstein, excuse me, was telling us about how this also affects parents in different ways. And part of her awareness is to reach parents. Jane Epstein, tell us a little bit about these other stories that you were mentioning where parents are in the fold. Yes, I, I've had a real unique experience in that because I, I have been very loud and very vocal out there. I had just, well, let me back up a few, uh, one step. I sure. was applying for the TEDx stage because the media would not hear me. They kept dismissing me. So finally I got accepted to a TEDx Boca Raton and they wanted me to make the audience uncomfortable. So I can do that. Right, <laughs> and it's a I tough was story. preparing. It's a tough story. So I was preparing for the TEDx when I had a parent reach out to me and she stated that she discovered this in her home and that at the time that it happened, she couldn't find any resources. So during COVID, she wrote her own website and she mm. wanted a survivor to look over it. And I started looking over it and I thought, wow, this is, this is a very, this is an amazing site. It's called siblingsexualtrauma.com. Just all resources. And I started diving into it, and I thought, I can't do this alone. So I actually reached out to another survivor that I know who was pretty public and asked her if she would help me, and she said yes. And I'd also reached out to another parent because I'm a moderator of a Facebook group for survivors, and parents are always trying to join, and we have to turn them away because it's for survivors. And I kept feeling badly. I'm like, we don't have any places to need parents. Ah, so finally I right. found some parent groups. And I tried to join one, and I was politely declined because I'm not you weren't a, parent. a parent of correct. Right. But I knew I had a live one, so I kept messaging this person saying, "Hey, here's an interview I did, or here's this." Oh, and I the TEDx, and then I reached out to her and I said, "By the way, I have a parent who wrote a website," and she responded back, "I'm in." And then that very next day, I respond. I heard from a step parent who was trying to connect with me. So in a week, we had three parents and two survivors, and we met over a Zoom call, and we all shared our stories. And I think that's when it hit myself and the other survivor of how much these parents go through. Now, I'm an advocate for survivors and survivors first, because survivors really go through a lot. But hearing sure. these parents' story just really educated me, and then them being able to hear our stories educated them, because their children are in different phases. Myself and the other survivor, we are survivors. We have come a long way. So that's how we've come together. And it's a very unique situation. And now we hear from other parents, we hear from other survivors, and it, we hear a new story almost every single day. That's amazing to me. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's very nuanced. And I, honestly, if, I, if it wasn't for the fact that I, I think I spent some time working in state government for the Department of Children and Families and had exposure to a lot of inter interesting family dynamics, a lot of complications, a lot of problems, uh, children removed from homes, just all sorts of things. And um, yeah. I think that's part of the reason I, I really kind of understand where you're coming from, because I think not having that experience, it, this would be extremely foreign to me. And I would just think, wow, you, you just, it's really just kind of jaw dropping and shocking to hear such a story and to hear the the um, the nuance of you've got parents and, and forgive me for using this word, but uh, there, there's victims all around. You know, the parents become yeah. a victim. The, 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 the victim is a victim. Even if they survive this assault, it, it's it's and I don't mean to perpetuate victimhood, but they really are victims all over. And everyone needs to heal from these assaults. And I think it's a fascinating way to do it. What are some of the things that you do to help people from where they're at with, you know, I guess coming forward, initially coming forward? I think the first thing is so many people come forward and they say, I thought I was the only one. 
We let them know you are not alone. We give them resources and podcasts where they can share their story either anonymously or share their story because I'm a firm believer in sharing stories. I believe that there's a lot of healing there. I feel that you, you can take little snippets from someone else's story, even if it's not the same, and you can feel less alone. And we have resources and studies. The main thing is to let people know you are not alone. Outstanding. That is outstanding. I think that's important for so many things in life to normalize things and say, hey, look, you're not the only one. There's a whole bunch of you. Our guest is Jane Epstein. She was six years old when she was assaulted, uh, sexually assaulted by her own brother, incest, sibling sexual assault. Today, she's a survivor and an advocate for other survivors of sibling sexual assault, what many of us commonly refer to as incest. And she explains how interest, uh, intricate and nuanced it is. And uh, Jane Epstein is our guest. Jane, welcome back. We left off, you were telling us about how you, you know, when you get somebody that says, oh my gosh, I heard your story. I'm not alone. I've hated myself for years for getting into this mess. Where do you go from there? You know, I'm not a therapist and I'm not a coach. So I am mindful about what I say, but I, I let them know that they're not alone. I let them know the statistics and then I send them to the resource pages, the, particularly the website that the mother wrote, the sibling sexual mm-hmm. trauma. And I think that just to relate to know they're not alone. And then we, we usually help guide them into some, some Facebook groups because I believe in peer-to-peer support. I mean, therapy is is important and therapy is recommended. But I also found a lot of healing in peer-to-peer support groups because I could raise my hand and and say, hey, did this happen to you? Do you respond this way? And I was heard, I was seen, I was validated. And whether you experience trauma or not, I think as human beings, we all want to be heard and we all want to be understood. Without question. And, And I think something that you mentioned, you know, kind of like your breaking point where you said, you know, you were wishing you were dead at, at 45 and, and just didn't know where to go w- with that. I think I'll, I'll, I'm guessing, I would presume that most people feel similar to you and thinking, blaming themselves, feeling horrible about what they were endured, not realizing that it was done to them and, you know, thinking what could I have done? What did I do? How did I contribute to this? Like most victims of, of crime yeah. and, and realizing, I think it, it, it takes a lot of, and like you said, you're not a therapist, but I'm sure there are therapists that help them get through this to realize, look, it wasn't your fault. You know, this really wasn't your choice. You didn't volunteer for this and, and helping them to come out of that shell. What, what is some of the advice you have, I guess, for both either parents who may suspect this that are listening going, oh my gosh, you know, this is confirming a suspicion or, or for somebody that's listening and saying, you know what, for the past three, four decades, I've been holding this in and my gosh, I'm not alone. What do you say to them? Wow. That's a really big question. Um, because with sibling sexual abuse and trauma, I, what I hear from a lot of survivors is that they say, I will take this secret to, gr- to my grave because it would kill my parents if they knew they couldn't protect me. Mm. So many survivors feel responsible for what happened to them because our siblings or our cousins were about the same age. They were children too. And I hear a lot of survivors very conflicted because they're thinking, well, they were a kid too, but it still impacted me. And, and to this day, I still very, I, I feel very protective of my sibling. I, I don't give out their name. I'm very careful because I still feel protective of them. Now, in my situation, my sibling has apologized and my sibling supports my advocacy because my sibling understands that this is a, a silent epidemic. I'm very fortunate. I think that that's why I do speak out because I think it's my, my duty because I have that support. And I cannot tell another survivor how to heal. I cannot tell them to come forward because right now society is not talking about it. They might come to their parents and tell them, and if nobody else was talking about it, the parents don't know what to do. And they might try and find some help and can't find help. And they think, okay, well, this, this is just our secret. That's why we need to raise the alarm because if we're talking about it and parents are aware, then they can say, oh, you know, I've heard that this happened. And I've also heard that just because a child harms another child, they are not a pedophile, they are not a monster, they are still behaving from a child's perspective, and that there's help out there. Let's get the whole family help. That's ideally where we would like to get to. Um, So I cannot tell a survivor to come forward because there's so much shame. 
There really is. I, I feel like if we could get some parents to come forward too, even parents, the parents that I work with are working under pen names to protect their family, to protect their right. children. That's where we're at. It, there's so much shame. I'm very loud. I'm very comfortable. I firmly believe that being truly known and accepted despite what happened is my freedom. And I would love for that for all survivors, but I do understand there's the whole family dynamic here. It's not another survivor stated it this way is that if a child is sexually abused by an adult, the family sides with the child. If a child is sexually abused by someone within the family, where does the family go? The family can be very broken. So, we have a lot of work to do. We really do. We need we need to raise awareness, education, prevention, research. We need it all. We have a lot of work to do here in the United States. Now, earlier you mentioned fivewaves.org. How does that differ from Complicated Courage and, and Incest Aware, the other organizations you're involved with? Right. Complicated Courage is, that's me. And that will probably be the name of my memoir, because I, my whole story, there's so much more to my story, but it's very complicated and it takes courage. So that is me. The fivewaves.org is the 501c3 that we formed um, several months ago. Those are the three parents and two survivors. And then the Incest Aware is another um, formation that I'm a co-founder with. And they, they focus more on father-daughter, but I, I was brought under the umbrella of that. If people find me, I can guide them because there's a, there is a vetting process for that. And so the, the website that has the resources is siblingsexualtrauma.com. That was authored by a parent. The fivewaves.org is the five of us who are trying to raise awareness. So no family has to face this alone. And then complicated courage. And then the, I guess the last one would be, I did give a TEDx called Giving Voice to Sibling Sexual Abuse. It's the only TEDx talk out there about sibling sexual abuse. And as far as closing, what I would like to say is that if you suspect this is going on in your home, please address it. It won't go away. Or if you are a survivor, I, I hear you and I believe you and you are not alone. And feel free to find me. You can find me anywhere on social media when you search Jane Epstein, Complicated Courage. You can find me. And you are not alone. I, I, I look forward to one day when survivors can band together and say siblings too <laughs> instead of me too. Right. Well said. Folks, that's Jane Epstein. Her website, complicatedcourage.com. Me- memoir is forthcoming. Jane, I want to thank you for having not so complicated but a lot of courage tonight sharing this um, very, very personal truth of yours and and uh, I'm grateful that you shared it with the audience and that you shared it with me. And um, I wish you nothing but the best and Godspeed in all of your endeavors. And I want to thank you so much for using your platform for this difficult topic. I, I, I have so much gratitude for you. Thank you. You bet. Anytime. Happy to have you back as things develop. And folks, there is more to come straight ahead. We're going to cover a little bit of this, some of your calls on this topic and more. So don't move a muscle. Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. We'll be right back. This is America. When it comes to life's adventures, Hyundai is thinking of every mile. It's your journey. Our podcast in our own world takes listeners through our entire journey. The good, the bad, and the oftentimes hilarious moments that make up our lives. Whether we're pulling prank calls on our friends or having an honest discussion about representation, it's all a part of our story. And Hyundai knows your journey is at the heart of your story. That's why they're by your side to cover all of the many miles and milestones together. And thanks to Hyundai, My Cultura listeners can experience the incredible journey of our Latino content creators. We're using their voices to share their stories because we all have a story. Join us as we voyage through life and celebrate its beauty, its diversity, and the voices of our culture. Together, we're discovering our road. Hyundai, proud partner of the My Cultura Podcast Network. It's your journey. 
The holidays always find a way. Hola, Amara La Negra here from Exactly Amara Podcast. Holidays y tradiciones go hand in hand. Whether you're making mom's famous recipes or getting your kids all dolled up to spend time with their loved ones, it's really about enjoying the real magic of the season by surrounding yourself with buenos amigos y familia, delicious food, mucho amor y cariño, and of course, ice cold Coke. Because Coca-Cola pairs perfectly with every holiday get-together, Coca-Cola and the My Cultura Podcast Network is another great pairing. With their generous support, we can continue to bring you our stories, our way, and told by us. There's no better time to celebrate our stories than now and to celebrate our storytellers all year long. Coca-Cola, proud partner of the My Cultura Podcast Network. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows available on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hola, ¿qué tal? It's Chiquis from the Chiquis and Chill podcast. State Farm apoya con orgullo este podcast and all the storytellers on the My Cultura podcast network. They value nuestra familia as much as we do, and that's why they're offering surprisingly great rates, so you don't have to give up on doing what you love. With State Farm, you'll help protect what's important to you. Together, we're committed to elevating the Latino experience. It's our time to be heard about so many topics. Y con el apoyo de State Farm, nuestras voces can speak about mental health, familia, financial literacy, body positivity, y mucho más. State Farm supports our vision, our communities, our neighborhoods, y nuestra gente. Tus seres queridos son tan importantes para ellos como lo son para ti. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. State Farm a proud sponsor of the My Cultura Podcast Network. The 45th President Donald Trump thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Yeah. Oh, it's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S here on all the social media with you on 1210 WPHT, streaming anywhere else you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. And what I find really interesting, very fascinating about what's going on right now is that the details continue to come out with the attack on Paul Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi's husband. And this is um, pretty serious stuff here. The guy's name, Mr. DePetto, if I'm reading it right. DePappy, excuse me. DePappy is his name. David DePappy. So we will continue to find out more about David DePappy, but we do know that he had a fight with a hammer in his hand. 42 years old. He went at it with Paul Pelosi. Paul Pelosi pulled out a hammer. He took the, the hammer away from Paul Pelosi, and uh, Nancy Pelosi wasn't there. So I know some people are thinking, I told you, Rich. It's not going to be safe on the streets for these people. And others of you are thinking these people are out of their minds. I don't have all the details, so we will find out uh, what's going on. I know uh, fake news. CNN is reporting multiple conspiracy theories. And let's see. Let us see what it is here. Let's see what CNN's saying. Stand by. Identified by police, Mr. DePappy has relatives who told CNN that DePappy is estranged from his family and confirmed that the Facebook account, which was taken down by the social media company, did, in fact, belong to him. Ooh, la, la, let's see what we got here. His father, Gene DePappy, said David grew up in Powell River, British Columbia, and left Canada about 20 years ago to pursue a relationship that brought him to California. So he's a Canadian. I really don't know what to think, said his father, blah, 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 blah. Last year, Mr. DePappy posted links on his Facebook page with multiple videos falsely alleging blah, 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 2020 election, blah, 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 blah. And uh, is this yet another fake news false flag where they're saying that some crazy uh, MAGA Republican or whatever they call us, MAGA, yeah, MAGA Republicans, right, uh, went nuts on Pelosi? I don't know. It's, it's entirely possible, uh, but... Usually these stories are pretty fake. Although I got to tell you, sometimes I run into people. I go, oh my goodness, are you for real? I mean, this is the truth right here, right? The truth is people that want to hurt people, hurt them. So if this guy was a whack job and wanted to hurt Pelosi, he did it. And that's what we shouldn't be doing. 
That's how you know America's in good shape, the fact that there's a bunch of politicians that we don't like that walk around freely and safely. And the reality here is I doubt he's upset with Paul Pelosi, maybe Nancy Pelosi, but we will get to the bottom of it, I'm sure. Just like all those other people that they said, oh, it was because of this, it was because of that. Next thing you know is really that they had voted for Bernie Sanders, right? And they were just some radical leftist whack job. So we will continue to see what's going on with that. But Elon Musk, Elon Musk has bought himself some Twitter. He's changed his name to the chief twit and he's fired all the executives. He paid $44 billion for Twitter and uh, he's cleaning house. He says he's doing it for humanity. He's doing it to, to save the world so that the world will have a place to speak freely, a digital town square that belongs to everybody in the world. I don't know what to make out of Elon Musk. I think he's a very interesting guy. I want to learn from him as much as I can when he says things like he's the only guy out there that says uh, we have too few people and that this idea that there's depopulation going on because we have too many people is fake, phony and fraud. Now, I, I tend to believe that, too. I don't believe that anybody's out there trying to get rid of people. I think there there's people out there that have interests and they do a lot of self-dealing, for example. You don't necessarily have to introduce diabetes and obesity to control the population because people have no self-control and they do it anyway. So you can theorize that it's the big corn company or the big this or the big that. But I think at the end of the day, just people are trying to make a living and people have no self-control. And you put the two and two together and voila, you've got a recipe for very fat, sick people in America. So as long as there's diabetes medicine and cancer medicine, there's going to be patience because people don't care. Look at just the amount of people that buy cigarettes and whatnot or smoke tobacco or chew tobacco despite the risks. So I think it's safe to say we're always going to have maladies and ailments in our country because of the freedom and liberty that we have to, to, to do what we want. But all that being said, anyway, Nancy Pelosi's nowhere to be found. So that's that. I'll keep you posted on it as more information becomes available. <clears throat> As you know what I announced last time, or the time before last time, I have a brand new nationally syndicated show that you could hear from 10 o'clock at night to 1 a.m. in the morning every single day, Monday through Friday. We're even on the weekends. On the weekends, it's a four-hour show on Saturday night and Sunday night from 9 to 1 a.m. That plays the best of. Now, this is an interview show that used to be the Larry King show and the Jim Bohannon show. And even before Larry King, it was the Long John Neville show where they did uh, interviews and all sorts of shtick in late night radio. So it is my honor to be able to um, participate in a legacy that includes those huge names. So if you have a chance, check it out. You could check it out as a podcast if you're not able to listen live. And, of course, big shout-out to everybody that's listening on 1210 WPHT. I am urging management at WPHT to carry the show as well. Let's see what happens with that. But I'm grateful for the opportunity and thankful for your support. Now, I wanted to um, have that thank you, and I also wanted to uh, give some final thoughts on voting and why we should do it. Because everybody's saying, oh, my gosh, we didn't figure out the you know, one bad election, and all of a sudden everybody's a wuss. One bad election, and everybody's... Uh, that's it. They've been lying to us for years. Every election's fake. I mean, come on, man. Take your head out of you know where. Be a man. Be a woman. Man up. Woman up. It's time to vote. It's time to go take some people to, to the polls. I've been involved in this, and I know you have too. You can win an election if you sway the people. That doesn't mean that there aren't irregularities and, and, and malfeasance and all of that. Sure. But good outweighs evil. Come on. Really. I'm not trying to be cliche here. I'm being genuine. I've used this analogy a thousand times. It's not like every time you go to the bad neighborhood, you get robbed. You might get robbed in a bad neighborhood, but it doesn't mean you're going to get robbed every single time. The law of averages is on our side. There's been a handful of bad elections and a whole bunch of decent ones, good ones that were fair. So listen, don't believe the hype. Make sure you get out on election day. Make sure you do what you got to do. Don't take the easy way out and say, ah, my vote doesn't count. Ah, they're going to cheat anyway. Ah, no, 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 no. Do what you got to do and bring 15 people with you. Can't bring 15, bring 10. Can't bring 10, bring five. Don't bring less than five. Bring five people to the polls. It's not that hard. Trust me, it's not that hard. Because you got to ask yourself this. Who benefits from you staying home? Obviously not you. 
Obviously not anybody on the Republican ticket, obviously not anybody that's in the conservative movement. But if you wanted to suppress a vote, the easiest thing you could do is is, uh, ask somebody to not go. Right? I've been doing this for years. Since I've been old enough to vote, I would always tell people, uh, they'd say, hey, when's election day? And I'd tell, um, for you, Wednesday. Right. I would always tell Democrats election days on Wednesday because why? Because I didn't care if they voted. I wanted to make sure my people voted. So it's important that we we uh, just tell them it's Wednesday. Hopefully I'm not getting into trouble with the uh, FEC. It's a joke, people. It's a joke. But in reality, and it was a legit joke that I made, but I, I've never um, wanted to push Democrats out to vote. Right. Because they know how to vote. They show up in big, big buses with uh, one union group after the next union group, and they're en masse, tons of them. We've got to do the same thing. We've got to bring it that hard. We've got to bring it the same way because that's ultimately what this whole thing of turnout is all about, getting out the vote. It's all about people. It's about people, organizing people, getting them out to pull the lever, hit the button, whatever it is that you got to do, do it. And the idea that you got to wait till election day, listen, if they've created early voting, go for it. Do the early voting. I will be voting on election day, but not as a matter of principle, just as a matter of I didn't apply for a mail-in ballot. So I am going to be walking to the Civic Center that's not far from my home, and I'm going to go in there and I'm going to say hello to the octogenarians that run the place and say, hey, how y'all doing? And then I am going to go and vote and pull my lever and, you know, do whatever I got to do there. That didn't come out right. <laughs> anyway, the point is, I'm going to vote, and I think you should too. And if you're thinking, Rich, why, why are you making such a big deal about this? Well, because too many people are telling me it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's all figured out. The whole thing's a ruse. There's time machines. There's this. And I'm, and I'm just, honestly, it's, it's very concerning to me the way people are talking lately. So uh, I just know that I am from the old school where I still think, you know, Elections do matter. Liberty still matters. You and me and our efforts still matter. Anyway, until the next time, hasta la próxima. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Vacations are supposed to be easy, right? Lots of stress-free time spent on the beach with a drink in hand, making memories that will last a lifetime. So, booking a vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. They offer easily bookable, all-inclusive vacation packages with exclusive non-stop vacation flights to your favorite vacation destinations. Explore deals to AMR Collection Resorts and plan your luxury vacation with ease. It's like turning on easy mode. Get started at applevacations.com. Vacations are supposed to be easy, right? Lots of stress-free time spent on the beach with a drink in hand, making memories that will last a lifetime. So booking a vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. They offer easily bookable vacation packages with exclusive nonstop vacation flights to your favorite vacation destinations. Explore deals to top-rated resorts like Ryu Hotels and Resorts and plan your vacation with ease. It's like turning on easy mode. Get started at AppleVacations.com today. Hey.